0: give honor to your uh, wonderful pastor and his family, love and appreciate the locks very, very much. We served together for a long time on the National Youth Committee and that's where we first got acquainted and uh, our friendship began to develop and love and appreciate him and his family and you're blessed with great leadership at this church. Amen. 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 And I'm enjoying the Florida weather. I just came from, where was I? I was in Oregon and it was a high of 58. And I got here, it was a high of whatever it was yesterday, 88, 90 something. But it was, I'm I'm loving it. I'm loving it. And so uh, you can tell the more I I need to sweat more because I need to lose more weight. But Anyway, I do better in uh, more tropical climates. But anyway, uh, good to be here this morning, and I, this is the, 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 the teaching hour, so I guess I'll teach, preach uh, for this first session, and I'll direct your attention to chapter 12 of the book of 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, and I'll read verses 9 and 10. Amen. Praying and studying for this uh, session this morning, I feel this is what the Lord gave to me, and I'll read verse number nine, and he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities. Now, Paul was a bad dude. I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and necessities and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. Amen. I'll talk for a few moments this morning on the subject, Glorious Imperfections glorious imperfections. Turn to your neighbor and tell them you have issues and you may be seated. Some of you are way too happy just now. (laughs) Amen. I'm not sure if you've... uh, not sure if you've noticed, but our world is in a mess. I don't know if that's necessarily a positive way to start out a message, but it's the truth. I don't know about you. I just I can hardly look at the news anymore. I don't like talking about politics, except with relatives I don't like. I... Don't like talking about who deserves to be in what position in Congress and what the left and the right are doing. They're all on the same side. And who would be better at doing that? It just seems like our world is waxing worse and worse. It's almost biblical. And it's not changing for the better because we're dealing with people. And since the beginning of time, people are going to be people. And flesh is always going to be flesh. And we have to constantly remind ourselves that our hope can never be in humanity. But at the end of the day, the absolute hope of every Christian has to rest in God and God alone. Some, at the end of the day, my foundation is not and cannot be in carnal flesh Because humanity will always be flawed, and humanity will always disappoint, and humanity will always fall short. And I love everybody, but while we were created in the image of God, we were also created with a human will, and anything with a will is prone to make erroneous decisions, I mean, he gave us one chance in the Garden of Eden, and we blew it. Amen. I mean, Can you imagine when we get to heaven, the line that is going to be formed to talk to Adam and Eve? <laughs> I mean, just like, what were you thinking? Right. You ruined this for everybody. Right. And since the genesis of humanity, flesh is always susceptible and will always be a recipient to a flawed and carnal nature. Not too long ago, I was able to visit Europe, and I love Europe, and if you're ever able to go, one thing that will immediately catch your eye is the architecture, the buildings, the homes, the bridges, the churches that are hundreds of years old, and as you begin to tour many of these places and begin to look at the intricate designs of the great cathedrals and all the buildings, you'll see upon closer inspection that woven into the beauty of many of these man-made structures are what guides and historians will call deliberate imperfections. And your eye will catch a leaning pillar here or it'll see an off-center beam over there. And they begin to explain that the masterful architects of that time would often purposely inset a flaw somewhere in the finality of that structure before its completion. Why? To simply acknowledge the fact that only God is perfect. If you're ever able to visit the National Cathedral in Washington, D.C., Direct your gaze upward when you walk inside. You will see that in all of its grandeur and in all of its beauty, the beautiful ceiling was intentionally designed to be six feet off center of its axis. This this purposeful asymmetry was included by its builders to signify the imperfections of humanity and once again remind everybody that only Jesus Christ is absolute. Hear me today when I say the only absolute thing in your life will be Jesus Christ. He never changes. He is the same. He is settled. He was and is and always will be. And not many things in life are certain. Your job is not absolute. Your career is not absolute. Your family's not absolute. Your car's not absolute. Your money is not absolute. The second law of thermodynamics applies to everything. Everything's in a constant state of decay. Because flowers fade and grass withers. And Jesus is the only thing in your life that is absolute. Only Christ is perfect. Only Christ will never fail you. Only Christ is flawless. Only Christ is without blemish. And that ought to be a relief to everybody in this building today. To know that it is impossible to attain perfection. That doesn't mean we shouldn't strive for it. But if you look on the inside of the life of Tyler Sullivan, you're going to see flaws. You're going to see imperfections. You're going to see failures. And if you look at anybody's life in here, you're going to see everybody has areas that have disqualified them from reaching perfection. Because we were born in sin and shaped in iniquity. And we have all sinned and fallen short of that glory. And because it is impossible for flesh to attain that glory and that perfection, it reminds us, hey, we're all leaning on the everlasting arms. That old song, leaning, leaning, safe and secure from all along. Leaning, leaning. I'm leaning on the everlasting arms. Our lives were never meant to be lived in such a way, hear me, where we are spiritually independent. And I know we all love our independence in America. We love being free. We love being able to do what we want to do. We love the American dream. But spiritually, we were never designed to make this journey on our own. Because we can't. If that was the case, why would we need God? Why would I need God if I had no flaws? Why would I need God if I had it all together? Why would I need God if I had all the answers? Why would I need God if I knew everything? And people that lean to their own understanding will learn to serve a God who is just a momentary convenience in their life. But, but he reminds us in John hey, listen, you got to be reminded I'm the vine and you're the branches. Jesus is the vine, we're just the branches. He's not, he's not a source. He is the source. God said, I'm your source, not man. I am your path. I am your life. I am your way. And the only way we are going to be able to continue to thrive is if we are connected to Him because our lives are dependent on Him. God forbid the day we ever get to the place where we're disconnected from him. Because when we become disconnected from him, we become disconnected from doctrine. And we become like every other religious denomination out there. I'll say it again. He is not a resource. He is the source. But listen, when he becomes just a resource to where we only want him to be God when it's convenient for us. We become independent illusionists and the church becomes a magic show that makes things, people disappear that God wants to use for his glory. And today's society and even church culture pushes us to portray perfectionism and hide the fact that while we were all yet sinners, Christ died for us. Hear me today, the church will never be perfect. The pastor will never be perfect. The evangelist will never be perfect. The saints will never be perfect. The young adults, they're never going to be perfect. And the young people sure are never going to be perfect. This is a body of believers that is made up of people who are far from perfect. This is a church that's made up of people who need his mercy daily. This is a church filled with flawed people. This is a church filled with people who have issues. This is a group who fell seven times, but you're only here on a Sunday because you got up eight. And the reality is, because of the independent culture of humanity, most of the time we want a Christ that we can control and not have to depend on. I can do this on my own. I can just make this rash decision and everything's going to be fine. I don't really need to consult the pastor about this. I want to be independent of accountability. I want to be independent of of just not having to fast. I don't want to be connected to the body. The reality is you just don't want to be submitted because every time we try and tell God, I got this, our carnal flesh gets in the way and we find ourselves back in the same spot Looking for God to redeem us and help us get out of the circumstance we create. It's the same story time after time. Because we'd rather have a Jesus that we're independent of than dependent on. Hear me today. When Joseph and Nicodemus came to Pilate and began to beg for the body of Jesus after he'd been crucified, I want to ask the question wait a second. Where were you before he was dead? Why didn't you want Jesus when he was living? Why didn't you go to Pilate and try to talk him down when Jesus was alive? Why didn't you say anything out loud before you couldn't control Jesus? Where were you before you couldn't shape the body of Jesus how you wanted to shape it? Where were you before you had a God? You could make look how you wanted to make him look. A body you could prop up here and push over there. And most of the time, we don't want to beg for the body until it is a Christ that we can control and not have to depend on. Because if I don't have to depend on him, he can't tell me what I should be doing. If I don't have to depend on him, he can't speak into my life. If I don't have to depend on him, I won't have to feel that twinge of conviction in my spirit. But you don't understand, because of our humanity, our lives cannot be lived on our own. And every time we try it, we mess everything up and we realize, wait a minute, I'm just flawed and I'm imperfect And I can't do this on my own. How many times in the wilderness did they forget about their dependence on God? Every time, every time God had to come through again and again and again. Oh, you need food? Well, let me give you quail. Oh, you need food? Let me give you manna. Oh, you need water? Let me give you water from a rock. And every single time they'd see God do all these miracles, God would have to remind them all over again, hey, you need me. You need me. But the reality is this. If we do not need a perfect Savior, then that means I can be self-sufficient. And if I'm self-sufficient, then that means that nobody else can know that I have flaws. And if nobody knows that I have flaws, then that means that I'm going to have to step into the role of becoming my own Savior. And if I think I'm good enough to be my own Savior, I will have no problem crucifying others at the cost of my own salvation just to hide my imperfections. And we come into services like this on a Sunday morning and we worry about our pride and our image and pretend that everything's okay. And we come into our Sunday services trying to act like everything's fine because we don't want anybody else to know we don't have it all together and that inside we're really falling apart and then we try and portray perfection and that causes us to live in a reality where we don't need God and we miss out on what God has for us. We miss out on the healing. We miss out on the deliverance. We miss out on the virtue that's flowing all the time. We're walking in wounded. And God just wants for somebody to be real today. God just wants somebody to wake up and realize, hey, you need me. We all need Him. I'm not talking about excellence because I believe we can achieve excellence. I'm talking about going through life living like we don't need God's help. Pride is birthed in places where humanity wants to become independent of accountability. And one of the biggest things that I plow through whenever I go to places is I I fight having to get people back down to planet earth and remind everybody we're just people. And we all make mistakes. And we all act a little crazy sometimes. And there are no superstars in God's kingdom. And God is saying, you don't have to be perfect. Come to me, all you who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Hey, here's the good news. You don't have to have it all together. You don't have to please everybody. God wants to give you beauty for ashes, God wants to give you joy for mourning. God wants you to cast all of your anxiety on Him. And if God is dependent on anything, it's for you to be dependent on him. And we gloss over our wounds and our hurts without allowing healing to come because everything in our minds has to be perfect. i got to come in my best clothes. i got to put on my best face. i got to come into the house of God. I make sure nobody knows that I'm walking through it. No, 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 no. We are dependent on him because we are a work in progress. How do you know that? Philippians 1 and 6. Being confident of this very thing, he that began a good work in you is going to perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. So he began a good work and he's going to keep on working on us until he comes back. He's working on us to make us better. And he's working on us to make us stronger. And he's working on us to make us more like him. And he's working on us to make us more patient. And he's working to make us kinder. And he's working to make us more effective in the kingdom. And if you look at this house, you're going to see it has flaws because life has a way of revealing our humanity. And life has a way of reminding us that we're just humans. And life has a way of reminding you, your house has some failures and it has some imperfections. But my imperfections are glorious because they are reminders to me and to everybody else around me. I cannot do this without him. And thank God, he's constantly working on us. And hear me, when you're making life-changing decisions, if you are under the illusion that you've got to be perfect to obtain the favor of God, you will always be living with unfulfilled expectations. Because God does His best work through imperfect people. Why? Because that's all He's got to work with. And when you see the word perfect in the Bible, it's not referring to somebody without mistakes or without fault or without without faith. But it's referring to the integrity and the sincerity and the consistency of that person. When you read that Job was perfect in all of his ways, that word perfect does not mean Job was without flaws. It just meant that he strove to be the best that he could be in his integrity and his sincerity and his consistency. And there is not one person in this room today who has it all together. There are people sitting in here today with questions. There are saints sitting in here today who you have fallen and you're still in the process of getting back up. There are people here wondering, how in the world am I going to get out of this mess that I made? Nobody else, I made this mess. Let me just make a statement and give some of you some relief today. The reality is you will never have it all together. Because the moment you do will be the moment when God puts another mountain in front of you that shows you, wait a minute, I'm just putting this in your life to develop you. The Bible says we live faith to faith, glory to glory, and the moment you think you've got it all together and you don't need God is going to be the moment that God puts another mountain in front of you that reminds you, no, 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 you need me. Oh, you think you can do this by yourself? Wait till I put this in your life and you're going to be reminded all over again, you need me. Oh, you think you got it all together? Let me put something else. Let me put a doctor's report. Let me put a job situation. Let me put a house. And he's going to make you be reminded, wait a minute, you need me. You can't do this by yourself. You're leaning on my wisdom. Brother Ron Mullings, one of my favorite preachers, makes a statement and says, people are pitiful and we're all people. And thank God we don't have it all together. Because if we did, God would become just a token. And why would we need him? If our lives can testify to one thing, It should be to the fact we were not able to redeem ourselves. It took somebody who was perfect. It took a spotless lamb. It took somebody who walked among sin but never sinned. It took somebody who was tempted but never yielded. It took somebody who felt what we felt and knew. If we were going to become like him, he had to become like us. And he saw your hurt. And he saw the pain that you were going to go through. And he saw your scars from the hurt words that should have never been said. And he saw your needs. And he sees your questions today. And he sees your wounds today. And he knew that your imperfections were going to serve as a reminder to everybody. We can't do this without God. Our imperfection should drive us to prayer. Our imperfection should drive us to fasting. Our imperfection should push us to dedication because we will never live beyond our need for God. At the beginning of his ministry, Paul said, I'm the least of the apostles. In the middle of his ministry, he said, I'm the least of the saints. At the end of his ministry, he said, I'm the chiefest of sinners. And that reminds me no matter how long I live for God, I'll never go beyond my need for God. Oh, we need Him today. We need Him today. We need Him today. today. And if we were self-sufficient, why would we need an all-sufficient Savior? If we were perfect, why would we need God? And when we try to live without acknowledging our imperfections, hear me, that's when pride has an avenue to slip in. You start getting confident in your flesh. That's why Paul said, I die daily. I know the power of this flesh and I know if I'm not careful, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to s- skip an altar when I need to get down and crucify the flesh and somewhere I think I'm going to be able to go, a, somewhere I'm going to be able to go a little bit higher than God. Yeah, Satan tried that, but God said, I resist the proud, but guess what? I give grace to the humble who realize you need me. You, you, you need me. So, so Jacob, your limp is going to remind you you need God. Moses, your stutter is going to remind you you need God. Peter, your temper is going to remind you you need God. Samson, The blindness at the end of your life when you're standing between two pillars is going to remind you you need God. Tyler, your flesh is going to remind you you need God. And why does God use imperfect people? Because he knows he's going to get the glory. Because everybody else knows. There's absolutely no way they could have accomplished that on their own. They had to have God. They had to have his. I know them. They never would have been able to accomplish that by themselves. They're obviously dependent on somebody else. Hey, we're all salvage titles. Your imperfection is a testimony that God can use to show a lost and dying world. There is still hope. Hey, get up again. Live again. Try again. Let his mercy sustain you. You don't have to have it all together. You don't have to be perfect. But you do have to press towards the mark. And and Jesus says to Paul, Hey Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. Paul Paul goes, oh, okay. So I'll glory in my infirmities. And that's when the power of Christ is going to rest on me. 2 Corinthians 12 and 9. Now, like I said, hey, Paul is a bad dude. He said, I take pleasure in infirmities. Now, put that verse up there if you could. 2 Corinthians 12 and 10. And, And here's where Paul reminds us we're all flesh. He said, infirmities, I, I take pleasure in it. So that, that word infirmities means weakness or feebleness of mind. When I'm, when I'm weak or when I'm feeble in my mind, I take pleasure in that because it reminds me I need him. I take pleasure in reproaches. That word reproaches means insults or hurts or harm. When people are insur- insulting me, when people are hurting me, when people are harming me. I-, I take pleasure in that because it reminds me I-, I can't make it on my own. I need God. Necessities, distresses, or needs. I need him in mean, when I'm distressed. I, I need God. Persecutions, that means slander or attack. When somebody else is talking about me, when somebody else is attacking me, when people are on Facebook and start slamming, I'm not going to respond in, in, in bitterness. I'm going to just say, no, this reminds me I need God. That word distresses means anguish. When I'm anguishing, I take pleasure in all of these and I'm content because they remind me when I'm weak when I make mistakes, when I don't have it all together, when my flaws show up, that's when I'm strong because his strength comes through my weaknesses. My strength comes through my imperfections. Here's where I'll end it today. You can stand with me if you want. Genesis chapter four begins to tell the story of Cain and Abel, and God said to Cain, "Abel, where, where, where is Abel?" And, and Cain says, "I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper?" And he said, what, "What have you done, Cain?" The voice of Abel's bro- blood is crying to me from the ground. And now, Cain, you're cursed. You've killed Abel. Cain, when you till the ground, it's not going to yield anything. You're not going to be able to grow from the ground anymore. And Cain said, Lord, my punishment is greater than I can bear. Cain, you're going to be a fugitive. You're going to be a vagabond in the earth. And Cain said, God, I can't bear this. You've driven me away. And anybody that finds me is going to slay me because of what you've done to me, God. And the Lord said unto him, no, 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 listen, Cain. Anybody that tries to slay you, vengeance shall be taken out on him sevenfold. And 4 and 15, the Lord put a mark on Cain. And if anybody saw this mark on him, you're going to know, okay, wait a minute. Wait a minute, I can't touch him. I'm not allowed to mess with Cain. After everything he's done, God marks him. And now Cain is set apart because of this imperfection. We don't know what the mark was. We don't know what it was on it. But everybody knew, wait a minute, Cain is set apart. Cain is still loved by God. And to Cain, that imperfection that everybody could see, listen, it was a reminder of the day when God gave him a second chance. And he's reminded that God can still use imperfections to bring about a great work. Cain, you go out and try and till the soil like you used to, it's going to be cursed. But his imperfections only shut the door in one occupation. Cain went on to build a city. His descendants discovered how to use the ground to make metal. Another discovered how to make music. Another discovered the herding of cattle. And just because God says no in one area doesn't mean He's against you. He just knows how to take imperfections and make them glorious and serve as a reminder to everybody, you need God. We all need Him today. If you need Him, would you throw your hands towards heaven right now? And would you just talk to Him for a minute? Come on. Come on, let's talk to Him this morning. Jesus, we need you. Jesus, we need you. Oh, come on. This is just a room filled with imperfect people. This is a room filled with people who need His mercy daily. This is a room full of people who you've messed up, but God has given another chance to today. Because his mercy's new every morning. Come on, let's talk to him right now. Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I love you.
1: Oh, come on, let's worship him. Hallelujah. hallelujah, Jesus. Lord, how we need you, Jesus, today, Lord, and every day, God. We can't make it without you. Thank you for your grace and mercy. Thank you for giving us another chance, another opportunity, Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. Amen. What a word. Thank you, Brother Sullivan, for that reminder, how we can't do it without him. Amen, and and what prayer is, is also a reminder that how we need Him, right? And so that is why we're transitioning now into a time of prayer before the next service, because we need Him in the next service, right? We want His will to be done in the next service, and so we're going to spend some time pleading our our needs and, and desires in prayer, amen, and so we're going to do that. Let's begin to transition into prayer, and we'll see you uh 11 o'clock for worship. God bless you all.